Welcome to the Dumb Idea Podcast with Mike and Alex. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share this video or podcast on any platform that you're listening on. Please visit us at www.dumbideapodcast.com. All right, so I was I was just looking at some economic data, and one of the things we keep hearing about, well, at least a few months ago, we had talked about it where um, people not working, people were staying home, they wanted to collect their government checks, and and we're a few months removed from that. A lot of the subsidies kind of went away, so I wanted to see uh, how much of the country has come back as far as the workforce goes. And I found an interesting number. Now, I was under the assumption that the unemployment rate was around 10 to 15%. Like, I, I thought it was crazy times, like it was during the pandemic. And I don't even know if it got that high then. I probably got some bad information. Um, but it turns out, as of today, which is, well, it's uh, October 21, 2021. So last month, um, the unemployment rate, was 4.6% October 2021. Now, to me, though, it, in general, 4% unemployment is considered full employment. 4% takes into account the people that are job transient uh, or are eligible to work but don't want to work, they don't want to be in the workforce. Um, and I didn't realize that people were back to work that got laid off. Um, and I found that interesting because it seems like at least in some of the media narrative is that we're not back. Everything is still shut down. Now I'm sure there are some places that are, and who knows how many of that four point in that 4.6 unemployment or, or, or in the number of employed people, how many of those people are underemployed. So part-time jobs instead of full-time jobs, I mean, you even see, I saw some statistics that some mothers haven't gone back because childcare isn't back. But I don't even know if that's true because where we live, it seems like everything is kind of back to normal. Yeah, the kids are in school. There's nothing really keeping anyone that wants to go back from going back. I think some people are afraid that there might be another shutdown of schools or whatever. Now, I haven't heard any of that. Um, Neither have I. So... Now, some areas are bringing back. It's weird. D.C.'s bringing back. is Their mask mandate is expiring, but Montgomery's County is bringing theirs back. So, yeah. But I guess people see that and think, well, okay, the next step is close schools, shut the schools down. Um, but I don't think anything really realistic is coming. So maybe people are hesitant to go back to work because they're afraid, okay, the kids are in school now, but what happens if now I have to stay home and take care of them for virtual school? So, yeah, I think you're right there. I think if, if kids, if they end up going back to virtual school, which I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard of any county in the country that had to revert back to virtual school. Um, so maybe it's just not going to happen at this point, although we still got the winter months ahead. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to work. I think that it could be some people just using it as an excuse to not go back. Um, but. And hey, I don't blame you. Like, if you have some job you hate and you have a reason to not do it and you're doing okay, like, okay, I, I get it. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't um, throw shade on any of those people. No, especially if you found a better way to do something. Yeah. You know, if, if you found a better way to make that income back up if you needed it, you know, 
Mm-hmm. That's just called career career adjustment at that point. Yeah, you know, it's, it might have been forced, but yeah, it, it's kind of like um, what the the shortage of bus drivers. Mm-hmm. Well, if they if they use that, they got their CDL for something else, and they're making more money. It's a career adjustment. It's not they didn't go back to that job, right? So it's like, hey, I'm not driving a bus full of screaming kids. I'm driving a you know a heating oil truck, and it's a lot more relaxing. I just had to get this hazmat, which the company was so desperate for drivers, they paid for me to get. So I'm I'm fine, right? Um, so yeah, I I don't know uh, what's going on with that, and, and really, uh, you know, four point six because I was like around. Was anything under five is considered full employment or or around I think, four I, I think or it's something? Four. I think yeah. four is the number. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there are some industries, but it where where people aren't back yet for for whatever reason. But there are full stadiums, there are full uh, concert venues, so people are doing things. So all those jobs are back, and then you have your, um, you know, if you go to any restaurant, there's going to be help wanted signs. Every single store I go into, there's a help wanted sign. So when when I walk into downtown Arnold to any of those stores in that from the supermarket to the pizza place to the they're all they all have signs yeah. help wanted. So if you want to work, there's plenty of opportunity for you to do so. Yeah. Um, and it's not minimum wage either cuz like uh, even when I, I drove into a McDonald's the other day, starting pay for for shift work was 15 an hour. <laughs> Like that's no joke. That, like that's, that's on the sign. That's thirty grand a year <laughs> to, like, to go and take orders and flip burgers. Right. Unskilled labor is paying thirty grand a year. Now, yeah. look, is that a livable wage? I don't know in this area, but it for an entry level job that usually is reserved for teenagers and kids for the most part. I mean, shoot, man, that that's good. That's decent money. I'm not look. I'm not saying it's a career, but if you turn that shift work into shift supervisor and manager. I mean, we talked about this before. McDonald's doesn't McDonald's pays. All right. If once you move up. Yeah. I mean, so I, I just found the, um, what the unemployment rates were. So in early 2020, so like January, February, where everything kind of started of 2020, uh, unemployment got up to almost 16%. Oh, wow. And then it looks like it slowly declined. Um, it, it looks like it got around 6% in the beginning of 2021 and now it's down to just over four. So it, 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 it was a sharp uptick and then a, a more gradual decline, but still fairly sharp. Um, but still, I mean, it, everyone was like going crazy when they thought it, when it was over 14 or around 15%, but the narrative never changed to, well, now, Hey, we're back to normal. Almost, we're back to everyone can stop panicking. Yeah, well, it's. Um, I mean, you do hear some of that, you know, uh, some of that rhetoric out of out of the White House or out of Congress about how, hey, we brought the economy back from. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it's it's a mixed message. Like everything that comes out of there, it's it's we brought the economy back, but COVID's still going to kill everyone. We're still yeah. dealing with the pandemic. So, which one is it? Like, pick one. And look, I'm used to politicians lying to me on both sides of their face. Like, I'm, I'm okay with it. Right. I understand it. But, like, at least be, I don't know, maybe consistent in the message. Because what, what do you, you want, you still want the pandemic to be here, which I'm not going to say they want it to be here, but I think some people really enjoy it. I do. Um, 
and then but you want to say tout your record on the economy so which one is it yeah i i don't i guess california brought back some draconian measures I don't remember exactly what they did, but they seem to be the only state that's doing it. New York had that thing where you had to have, you had to show vaccination. So New York and California you had to show vaccination to go places. And I didn't really hear about that happening anywhere else though. And we, and we live in the mid Atlantic. So we're close enough to like New Jersey and, and Philadelphia and Boston. I mean, I don't hear about any of that stuff. Happening so there, up there. there are places here, um, that are requiring proof of vaccination. We went to a concert in Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, like I guess it was late September, and you had to show your vaccine card, which irritated me because I had to go get a vaccine card. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, which is a handwritten card. Like if you gave me a card, I just make my own. Well, there was um, some, apparently Antonio Brown. Uh, got caught using a fake one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so there's that one. Then there's, so that I did it cause I just, you know, I'm not going to make a scene, Sure. you know, so, but, and there's some restaurants, especially in like Montgomery County and DC that are doing it. Oh, are they? Uh, yeah. Because like around here, you don't No. You would here. think COVID doesn't exist here. Right. Which is strange. Right. But one County over, it's like, you know, right. But then you go to Los Angeles and people are still wearing masks outside and, you know, it's just like, okay, it's a little, riding a bicycle by yourself right, wearing a mask. What? I mean, I get your, <laughs> there's nobody around you. I still see people wearing the mask while they're driving around here. Uh, but yeah. By themselves. Right. Like, I still don't get that. I didn't get it when they were doing it before. No. And I really don't get it now. Yeah. Because it's not pollen. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not right yeah, like pollen. It doesn't attach itself to pollen. <laughs> it's not coming in through your HEPA air filter in your car. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's not busting through like that. Uh, it's it's not the super virus that people want to make it out to be. Yeah, like that, like the one lady that thought you could catch it in the breath wake when we <laughs> when we were gonna do. Uh, <laughs> I think it was like the first year when everything was happening in twenty twenty. I think it was we were, they wanted to do a, uh, a a high school graduation, college graduation parade through the neighborhood, and someone and someone actually had the thought that. Even if people, even if they did a single file march, that they were going to catch it in the, in like, by walking behind someone, like they were going to breathe, the air molecules would stay right there and someone else would walk through it and catch the COVID from it. It's like you got a tailpipe that's like constantly putting out the same amount of exhaust the entire time. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I still think that's probably one of the funniest comments I ever ever saw about the whole virus thing. It's like, you think people are going to catch it from a breath wake? (laughs) <laughs> well, I was playing football in the street with the kids. You know, it was, it was my kids, and then some of the other neighborhood kids were out. We're were just pretty much it was they're just running routes, and I'm th- I'm throwing balls at them. <laughs> you know, I'm throwing piss missiles at them. Um, and this lady, and then like my wife and one of her friends were talking on the sidewalk. So this lady comes walking down the street, and I she, I guess she didn't want to pass too close to my wife and her friends. So then she cuts out into the street and then it was like me and all the kids playing football and like i literally saw like she, you know she's looking both ways like does not compete what do i do right how about you just keep walking yeah and uh you know so there's plenty of room for you to, to she crossed the street to avoid us 
Felt- Which is so weird because, like, from the very beginning, they were like, yeah, this doesn't transmit outdoors very well because of the, the UV rays from the sun kills yeah. it. And uh, vitamin D from outside is great. And But people just didn't want to listen to it. But well, I got to say some. So my whole whole house got sick. They were all. This is all head colds and stuff. And I've been on point with the uh, the vitamin supplements. Mm-hmm. And I had the sniffles for a day, and I was good to go. And everyone else is. I'm like, yep. Take your vitamins. Is that recent though? Yeah, that was uh, a couple weeks ago. We got, so, we had the same kind yeah. of thing. We wife and I both tested negative for COVID though. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, the, all the kids and and Lindsay and every, everyone tested negative because yeah. they they all went and I'm like, well, maybe I have COVID. <laughs> well, just... well, because because of the stupid messaging, I think every time I get the sniffles, like, oh, this could be COVID. This could be it. And part of me on the inside is like, yes, finally I got this. Let's go. <laughs> like, oh, I sharded. Let, that's like that's COVID. Right, right. Let me get, let me call up Joe Rogan and get me some ivermectin and some monoclonal antibodies. And hey, just what? go to the feed shop. Yeah, I'll just I'll just go down and get my horse paste. <laughs> and um, which, but that was a whole other topic of just like what transpired there was ridiculous. Um, never mind the fact that I did I found some extremely interesting information about ivermectin and its efficacy against SARS-CoV-2. Mm-hmm. No less from, it was a video, uh, so Jimmy Dore put out a video. Jimmy Dore's got his own podcast, he, and he shows it on YouTube. He literally dedicated one episode and just showed this doctor's research. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't his re- it wasn't his research, he was just pulling the research um, on from off-label medicines effect on COVID. And it wasn't a clinical trial. They basically did it. They did the Petri. It was like all done in the Petri dishes. Basically seeing how the virus reacted to the chemical compounds of these drugs. And of all the drugs they tried, ivermectin was the one that I think it it, it stopped the virus from replicating. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, a virus needs to replicate to get you sick, right? Yeah. Stop the virus from replicating. I think it was over 80% of the time. Wow. And I'm just like this, and this is the drug that they're on the, the the media trying to say is horse paste. Like the CDC literally has on their website, you're not a horse, you're not a cow. Don't take veterinary medicine. <laughs> well, it's okay, but I mean, it's a whole other topic. I mean, it's off the topic of, but you know, the fact is, maybe we could have gotten out of COVID a lot quicker if. So like we always talk about, politicians need to step the hell out of this. Yeah, and let scientists science the shit out of this. And if this was the data that came out of the science labs from mm-hmm. these off off uh, label medicines, especially when a pill of ivermectin, I believe, costs about six cents. Yeah. Now remdesivir was another one, mm-hmm. and that's the one they pushed. But remdesivir was on brand. Yeah. That they could charge, I think, it was like a couple thousand for. Right. Right. Um. And it's funny, the ivermectin is made by Merck, mm-hmm. but it's off patent. They can only charge six cents per pill. It just so happened that Pfizer and Merck put forward these antiviral drugs. Now, everyone says, oh, ivermectin's uh, anti-parasitic. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it has antiviral characteristics too. Right, but it's the virus of parasite. It's a very small parasite. Yeah, I mean, it, it works in the way that it it stops this virus from replicating, which is why it can also be considered an antiviral. Mm-hmm. Um, I I recommend anyone go to Jimmy Dore's YouTube channel because it it I showed it to my wife because she was like she was not a believer. Mm-hmm. I was like, just look at, the, I was like, don't listen to me. Just listen to what this guy is sharing with you. And he cites all the journals and every, every place that he's pulling it from. They're all legit sources. And mostly from Europe though. They're not from yeah. here, you know, but it was, it was crazy to me. It, it But I think it goes, well, we we're talking about that because it goes in the narrative that they're keeping COVID alive, right? When, for the most part, there's treatments that they got the vaccine, they got the treatments. And I don't, I don't, not that I'm saying it's gone, but I think it's, we're, we're starting to get to the point where it's going to be an endemic versus a pandemic. Yeah. And once you get to that point, it's like, well, now you can't use it anymore. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, if we're down to 4.6 unemployment, people aren't afraid to go to work anymore. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Are a lot of people working from home? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and the thing is, but I don't see working from home as necessarily a bad thing. No, I don't think um, so either. I think working from home, really, there's no reason why a lot of the, these, you know, your typical uh, office drone cubicle dweller jobs can't be done from home. Right. And and if the majority of what you're doing is sending emails and taking phone calls and on the internet, well... I can do that from home. So, yeah. like, my internet connection to my house is faster than the one in my office. Yep. So, <laughs> oh. so Boy, like, I don't ever. see the, the, the big... And I remember I used to be like, oh, I'll go to work and do that because the internet's faster. And now it's like, no, I'll do that. I have this thing I got to do at work. I'm going to come home and do it because it's faster. Right. You know how hard it is to stream a YouTube video at work <laughs> when I'm only getting two megabytes per second because I got to share this internet connection with everybody. <laughs> when I, you know, at home, I got no buffering issues at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, but another, but the one thing I was looking at with that 4.6 percent number, this is why I kind of brought it up, is that we're at 4.6 percent, and. There was there was a statistic that Goldman Sachs found during the pandemic. Five million people left the labor force. Mm-hmm. Two point five million of those retired, and they're not coming back. That means we only got about two point. So that means the other two point five million probably already came back in. Yeah, they're in. I so it, and I I don't think that unemployment number is is accounting for those people that aren't coming back because for a while i mean you can claim you can go on retirement you can claim unemployment you know kind of bilks and benefits a little bit there's ways to do it but you're still considered part of the labor force right because technically you're still looking for work because you need to do that to collect the unemployment for a while uh and i'm sure there's other parts of that that i don't know about but my thing is if you lost 2.5 million people out of the workforce I would I would venture as far to say that four point six percent is actually probably closer to three. Mm-hmm. At three, you're way under full unemployment. So now that three percent is mostly transient workers that are either between jobs or they're looking for a different job or they're going to school in order to get a better job. Whatever the case may be, they're just not 
that three percent of people aren't hiring. They are, they're not hireable. They're not. Right. They're so. The problem right now is if we don't if if everyone's looking for people to work and we don't have workers to fill it, you got to look at immigration. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah, you've got one group of people politically that would just want to let everybody in. Mm-hmm. And then you got the other side that's saying, keep everybody out. Right. There's got to be a happy medium because right now we don't have the workforce to, to increase any capacity. And we got factories that are coming online here. I mean, we, I think there's the, that company Foxconn Foxconn is, they've got, I believe they're putting together or they bought out a factory in Michigan and they're going down to Texas to be near Tesla. Well, they're going to need people to work in these factories. And we kind of promised them, hey, we got the workforce. Yeah. We might not actually have the numbers for this. And then what's going to happen, like, when, if you just, if you don't have butts to put on the line mm-hmm. or to do some of these jobs, I mean, shoot, we already had underemployment in a lot of different categories. Well, yeah, like, if you look at uh, the the crab industry here all those crab picking houses um there was one that the guys like i don't know if i can and this this these are all small family businesses so these aren't you know for we did a whole episode on crabs Mm -hmm. so for, for those who uh don't remember that one which shame on you um but for those who don't remember it or uh you know the the you can't have like Purdue crabs right. or Tyson crabs. You, you know Smithfield crab. It's not going to work like that. It's not a factory operation. It's a small, um, you know, uh, cottage industry. Mm-hmm. So they catch the crabs, they boil them, they pick them, and a lot of what they were using were the H. What are the H one B or? Uh, I, for, I thought H one. I thought H one B one. I thought that was for tech workers, but. It's a similar it's program. It's very similar for manual labor. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the, the people that were coming up to work were from, I want to say they're from Peru or Panama down in South or Central America. So yep. they're coming up here to work. Well, they couldn't even get them to come up to work. So, and part of that was there was a restriction on the, they reduced the visas. And then another part was they, um, they used them, you know, people just didn't want to come up to do it's It's a hard job. Yeah. I, I mean, picking crabs is hard. But we get to drink beer and eat the crab as you're picking it. Like, okay, it's cool. But when you just get to pick it, like, and not eat it and not drink beer, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like fun at all. But let me ask you something. In the countries that they're coming from, and I'm not trying to say these countries are bad, but in the countries that they're coming from, if you're inside an air conditioned facility picking crab, it's probably better than the job that you could have gotten down where you were. Right, and it certainly pays more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's one of the industries that used made extensive use of immigrant labor Mm -hmm. and you know i'm i've always been very pro-immigrant all my family there they were immigrants they were just a different group of immigrants they were either italians or germans or scotch irish or whatever you know whatever french wherever they came from um because i'm a pretty much a mutt so to me i i've you know always been very pro-immigration it's just let's you know i I don't think you can just let people walk across the border there has to be a process i'm also very pro um 
amnesty for those who are who are here, a pathway to citizenship type of deal. Um, yeah. I I'm a little bit different. I so in my perfect world, someone comes across the border. Um, from the moment you come across, you get issued basically a nine-digit number. It's not a social security number, but I want to call it a worker ID number. Mm-hmm. You come in the country, it's yours. And now it gets attached to you. Okay? You want to come and work, you got to show that number. Employers have to take the number. Yeah. Right? I think there, I mean, there's already supposed to be that provision in place where you only hire someone with social security numbers, but you know, I, I think people are skirting it a little bit. Yeah. A lot, maybe. Um, and, and my big thing is because when you do that, People then those people then get a legit paycheck, and then they also have to pay taxes on that. Right. Because a lot of times right now they get paid under the table. Cash is going out of the country, which is why there's a lot of dollar bills not inside the United States. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's like in some of those countries, that's that's the currency of that country. Right. Oh yeah. Like they have their own peso or whatever it is, but the true currency of the their country is the u.s dollar we're the world version of the lannisters from game of thrones because yeah. <laughs> the united states like that promissory note i mean we, we had talked about you know what is it really backed by well it's yeah. backed by the fact that we're going to pay the debt right you know you you turn in that dollar somewhere someone will give you another currency or they'll give you a good or service for that yeah um they might not do it for doge right right <laughs> you know yeah something or any of that i it's yeah and I guess the other thing is, is that I feel like it would encourage people to come. Um, because the the people that are coming now are more risk takers. Mm-hmm. There might be criminals that are doing it. Yeah. But I think you, it, you almost eliminate the illegal. A- you'll, well, obviously you eliminate the illegal aspect, but you, you might get a little a better crop of people. If you're saying, look, this is the clear process to doing this. Yeah. You know, don't make it confusing. Like someone that's maybe down in Guadalajara that wants to come to the U.S. to work. You know, well, we need workers, so come on up. But you're going to pay the taxes here. And, yeah. But you can come and go freely. But it, it, also, it also gives them buy-in to America and ownership of... Because, you know, if you don't have a... If, if you're here illegally, like you can't do things like open up a bank account. Right. Um, which makes them very, you can't get loans, which makes them susceptible to predatory lenders. It makes them susceptible to scams, to just, you know, you'll have these, um, like the uh, check cashing places, the payday loans, charging insane interest. And they're just taking advantage of these people because they have no other option. Um, There's also a street crime element. You know, they, you have someone walk around with wads of cash. Well, let's rob that guy. You know, are they going to rob the dude that just has a credit card that the second you run away, he's on his phone canceling it? Right. Or are they going to rob the dude that has wads of cash? Yeah. I'll tell you who I'm going after. Um, so, but by giving them under what you're su- suggesting, which which I think is a, is a good idea because it's better than what we're doing now, because um, the process is just cumbersome. It takes forever. Um, costs a lot of money too. Yeah, and it's these people so don't have money. money. That's why they're coming here. They don't have money, right? You know, like uh, it. It'll also gut the 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 business side on the on the other side of the border with the coyotes and the which are all run by the cartels anyway. Yeah, they were abusing these people, taking them. I mean, they'll they learn that oh, if you come over with a kid, you're 
you're you're good to go. Yeah. So they get, here's a kid. What's the kid to the cartel? Right. Well, that's another thing. Like, but I don't think people realize that it's more prevalent than they think. Like they're they're they can literally strong arm a mother to hand over her baby. Yeah. Because they're the cartel. Like, look, we have gangs in this country mm-hmm. and some really bad people, but. The Mexican cartels and the, and the cartels in these other countries are no joke. Oh yeah, like they will they will straight up just go into a, a town and shoot shoot the place up. Yeah, because someone told them no. Oh yeah, like I don't think people realize the difference situation that we have here with our gangs and crimes. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I, they'll they'll shoot innocent people too, but that's a different that's a different level. Yeah. down there yeah like so if you there's no recourse down there right. so and there are areas of mexico that are completely run by the cartels uh the sinaloa cartel mm-hmm. runs i mean it they they are the they're the authority and if you cross the cartel so they say hey uh lady give me your kid and they'll toss you some dollars maybe right but Hey, give me your kid. No. Well, they're taking the kid anyway. Right. If you don't give it to them, you're going to die. Yeah. They're going to just shoot the mother and be like, eh, I'm taking the kid anyway. Yeah. And now, because th- this other guy is paying them to get him across the border, so here's a, oh, you really want to get in? Here's a kid. This is your kid now. Right. And they come across the border, then that kid is just like, you know, and I think the the rights answer is to just fortify the border, build a wall, do all that stuff. Um, they'll get around that. They'll find a way around it. They'll fly over it they dig go under they it they dig under it you can they someone did next was they on that i think i don't know if it was vice or someone else back when vice used to do investigative journalism i think they found like 50 tunnels from border towns in texas to the border towns in mexico mm-hmm. 50 yeah imagine the ones that and and that was the one like they were showing it to them like the the police probably only it, it, they get all excited when they bust down one tunnel right Okay, forty nine more, and yeah. they're probably going to rebuild the one you just busted. Mm-hmm. These are some resourceful people. Yeah, like we had talked about this before. Criminals are really resourceful people. There's a lot of smart criminals. Yeah, most of them aren't getting caught, right? Like the dumb ones are getting caught, or they're the lackeys for the smart ones, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of smart criminals out there, and not just in this country. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, probably the smartest ones don't live here. Yeah, and then you, the the desperation of people who are willing to pay anything to get to get over here. So, um, well, I wonder how much of that. I wonder how many of the people they traffic over. They're basically they're, they're the payment for the debt. So, like, let's say, you know, the family in Guadalajara can't pay the cartel, so they give up one of their children. Uh, yeah, the child the child is then payment. For some, for with the cartel, basically, mm-hmm. that's how they got a debt, and she's got to work off that debt. I mean, they they used to, I mean, they do it in the, with the Eastern Bloc countries, or they used to. It was much more prevalent with Eastern Bloc countries back in the Russian days, um, where they would just traffic these girls across the world, and sometimes they were payment to the mafia. Yeah, and <clears throat> I mean, unfortunately, I, I think people just see, oh, they're these are just innocent people, and there's nothing to ferry. They're just trying to find a better life. Well, some of them are sure, yeah. But some of these people bringing people over are criminals, hardcore. Uh, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll pack you know people into the like a lay down in the, some of the 
the traps and stuff they devise to hide people in um, to get them across the border. So, you know, I think if you were to, to go to more of a system that, you know, the, the worker ID or the whatever you want to call it to allow people to come here, work, contribute, pay taxes, be able to open bank accounts, these other, all these stuff that these things, it reduces the victimization here. And then when you make anything illegal, it drives the price up. Sure. So, you know, if I can manufacture a pen for 15 cents, but then if that pen becomes illegal, automatically the price is driven up and I can sell that pen for a hundred dollars. You can knock me out. Guess what? Someone's going to step right into my place and sell that same pen for that inflated cost. And that's what you're having on the border. That commodity, that, that transit across the border is it's costs so much money, which encourages people on the other side to do it. Yeah. And the other argument the right uses against immigration is oh well they're going to steal my they're going to steal your jobs no they're not well the, the problem and, and the problem with and the reason why we brought up those unemployment numbers and the retirement numbers that we brought up the 2.5 million retirees that aren't coming back if we don't bring people in we're not going to have the workforce needed to power the country yeah. basically you're not going to have enough people earning money here, spending money here. Like we are a consumer economy. We need people to spend money. I mean, mm-hmm. once the, once you take the money out of circulation, that's when the economy starts to dive. That's why the, for the most part for the last, what two, you're talking like 15, 20 years, the central banks have been keeping interest rates almost at zero. Mm-hmm. It's because they don't want people to save. The more the people save, the less money's in circulation and the economy fizzles. It fizzles out. And then you get, all the other isms that are the Asians stagflation. Yeah. Uh, inflation. Yeah. Whatever. Inflation, stagflation, recession. Yeah. Right. So, well, recession. Yeah. So I, I guess it's inflation when people have too much money and they spend too much and there's not enough to go around, which we're kind of seeing right now. And then eventually when they bump up the interest rates, people stop spending. And then you have the, re- you have a recession because no one's spending money and you can't keep the, you basically you got to, you need to find that happy equilibrium that keeps people spending without inflation going up. Right. And unfortunately though, if we don't find some solution to immigration, especially at the Southern border, those are, the, I mean, I, I don't think Canadians are really fighting their way in here. Um, yeah. My, a friend of mine's wife is Canadian. Well, she's an American now, but she, you know, she came here, went to college as a Canadian, then, you know, wanted to stay, met him. Yeah. And she's well, well, like well out of his league. So I'm thinking that, you know, I'm just kidding. It's but, that American uh, charm. Yeah. We have those ways. But it took her a long time and lawyers and all that stuff to, to yeah. get. And, and here's the thing. She was a college educated young woman of means from Canada. And, you know, now she understood the process and all that. You're taking someone from another country who doesn't have that level of education, doesn't understand what they're doing. The language barrier. The language barrier. I mean, you throw in all these other things, it's harder for them to do it. And is it really necessary? Um, There are times, so if you go back to the Civil War um, and when the Irish started coming over, those Irishmen were coming off the ships 
and immediately going into the Union Army. Yep. It was the, it, the Irish Brigade. We needed soldiers to fight a war. And then you needed population for westward expansion. And then you needed population for to work in the factories. So there was all this immigration, all these groups that came over from the Irish, Eastern European, Italians, Greeks, from all over, and out on the West Coast when the Chinese came and they were working on the railroad. Um and in the gold mines and all that stuff out West, like that's now it says, you know, and I've always said the immigration question kind of will settle down once there's a need. Mm-hmm. And I think with the, uh, the employment picture with people who are retiring, people are just dying an aging population. The boomers are getting up there in age. I mean, I think they're in some of us, the early ones are starting to hit 80. Yep. So that's going to be a consideration. And I think also if you look at our birth rate, which is incredibly low right now. So replacement rate is Mm 2.1. 2.1 births per... Per two people. Yeah. Right. So that's replacement rate. That'll maintain the current population. And that's not coming from the white population. Right. No. Um, Right now it's, uh, I think it's at one point, I pulled the numbers up. Um, of course, the microphone is blocking my face, so it can't. It won't open <laughs> well, up. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the Latino community that's that's pushing that number up. Yeah. So right now, um, we're at 1.7, and it might be even lower because that, that was yeah. 19 numbers. Um, I have three kids, so I did my part. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I kept it even. I, I kept it too. Sorry, sorry, world. So, but, and this is not just an American problem. This is all all over the West. So I think the yeah. Italian birth rate is like super low. Europe's having a rough time. With yeah, that. and you know now there are some other factors uh, that are playing into this. Um, people don't want to get married. People don't want to have kids. Um, women don't want young women don't want to get married. That's not low. Getting married, and having kids, and raising a family is no longer their dream. They want to be professionals and work. And hey, I'm I'm all for it. But you're going to have to find a way to replace that population loss. So one of the ways to do that is through immigration. Yeah. We even even if just taking a look at the social security and Medicare yeah, some of these I'm not calling them entitlement programs cuz I don't believe that's what they are. I believe they're earned benefits. Mm-hmm. I know that's not going to be a very popular take, but yeah, you know, people do pay into social security. And we we've talked about how the government general fund is borrowing from social security at an astronomically low rate when if they would treat it like a true pension fund they could earn a normal rate of return on it and all of these solvency problems with social security would not exist but they didn't so now it and this is why they call social security a ponzi scheme is because basically whatever they're putting in it needs to be paid out yeah um this goes into a couple of topics and one is government done right. Well, so what they're doing with social security is government done wrong. Uh, they, you need more people here paying taxes into the system because we do have the aging population. And I, I think we kind of held on longer than most people expected because a lot of people didn't retire when they should have retired. Mm-hmm. They held on, they held on to their sixties. Yeah. Yeah, well, mo- most of these people were supposed to retire. They're 57, 60 years old, 62, 63. Some of these people just kept working in their 70s because they could. Yeah. Health got, the, the health 
it got better for a lot of people of that age group. People were living longer. They were living healthier. I mean, the, you know, you know the old saying: the new you know, sixty is a new forty, right? Yeah. And all that garbage and nonsense they're trying to sell. Well, you know, it, so these people were able to stay in the workforce longer. They wanted to. Well, then they kind of, not that they got forced out, but they kind of got a little taste of what retirement was like. And they're like, oh shit, this is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I ain't going back to work. Yeah, I got enough money to retire. Yeah, I'm plus, out. Plus, they're. You know, I think with a lot of industries going away from a defined benefit pension system kept a lot of people in because they're looking at their at their retirement savings. They're like, eh, it's not there, or they'll take a hit. So a lot of them took a big hit in uh, the the when the housing market crashed, the recession of 07, 08. Yeah. So those people who may have retired then. Now, my dad, he retired in 09. But he was under the old federal pension system, so he was like, "Yeah, I'm out of here." Right? Doesn't make, mean anything to me. But the person that was under furs at that point, mm-hmm. like now, they're like, "That that uh, TSP is not looking so hot." So yeah, that two percent per year went down to one percent per year for the pension. I mean, so there's still a defined pension, but they they took away half the defined pension per yeah. year and changed it into um, basically a, a matching 401k. But it, the other the other thing you hit on was the housing thing. So back in 07, 08, 09, when everything, when the, when the housing prices collapsed, mm-hmm. if people, get, when people got forced out of jobs, then they couldn't sell the home and make a profit and downsize and retire. They couldn't do that. Right. Economics weren't there this time around though. Home prices went through the roof mm-hmm. and there were plenty of buyers out there. Yeah. Everyone had, I mean, and, and this is, this kind of goes, this is where people don't really understand the long-term effects because back in 07, 08, 09, that was kind of like our generation's great, great depression. And it, it, anyone who had grandparents that, you know, fought in world war two, that generation that kind of went through the great depression, they were savers mm-hmm. because they were so scared that another depression would happen. I think our generation is now kind of got that mentality of, Oh, this economy is not all butterflies and rainbows. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of, it, it so before this recession, I believe consumer debt was at an all-time low from the last 25 years. Like credit card debt, yeah. all-time low. And people were saving money. And so when housing, the housing prices went up because more people could buy, more people could qualify. Um, and now you have this situation where people can retire, sell their homes. They can get out of their homes, have a nice chunk of money. Yep. And that's now going to add to that retirement income because you're going to take that cash and you're going to put it to work in a 401k or whatever you're going to do, get your annuity. I don't, I don't know how that, I mean, I'm not a retirement expert, but basically you're going to take that nice pot of money from the equity of your house. You could turn that into retirement income, make up for whatever you didn't think you had. Yep. And now you can afford to retire. And I don't think a lot of people anticipated that. I don't think they thought people were as financially secure as they were. Um, I mean, it, it's even to this point, I mean, they think the housing market's supposed to cool off, but interest rates are still low. People still want to buy. And we're still in a point now where, especially in this area, four or five days on a market's a long time now. Yeah. And, and there are still people who, there are still people who want to, you know, all those all those hipsters that thought it was a great idea to live in a you know four deep in an efficiency apartment mm-hmm. in Brooklyn and it was all wonderful 
and then they were locked down <laughs> four deep in an efficiency apartment. Now Johnny socks smell. 800 square foot. Johnny, know. clean up your dishes. <laughs> they You're were, here all the time. All of those people are thinking, man, I wish I had a nice house to, with a yard to be locked down in. Yep. So, you know, and then crime going up in cities and, you know, some people are starting to, it's moving back to the suburbs is starting to look more attractive than, uh, than staying in the city. And yeah. um, I think that'll cool off as stuff starts opening up. But, you know, I, and then a lot of those people that are doing that, like, you know, maybe they don't want to raise three kids in a city apartment right. and send them to city schools. And, you know, depending on where you are, it doesn't, they're not necessarily bad. But Well, it, like that New York City decision to get rid of the gifted and talented program. Who, where do you, parents that have kids that are gifted and talented, Mm-hmm. Or at least think their kids are going to be gifted because we all think our kids are great. My, my, right. my kids, my kids, so smart. Yeah, my kids picking his nose, <laughs> picking her nose over there in the corner. Lovely individual, but you no. Know. But anyway, but everyone wants their kid to go to a school where, if they excel, the school will allow them to keep going. They'll let them excel. Yeah. They're not going to be held back by the grade, right? It's like you want those extra the uh, extra ability math programs that your kid can go to or mm-hmm. or the writing program or whatever whatever it is yeah. and f- you know some of these places are trying to get rid of those and i think you're just going to drive some of these kids with talent there as a parent if my ch- if my child's school got rid of a gifted and talented program and my kid was able to get into one mm-hmm. I would have to seriously consider moving my kid into another school, yeah, or or moving all together to right. a place that had that right. It's almost like a benefit that you're not offering anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, all in the sake of you know, what? What is it really for? Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like the the other thing is you want your children to reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, have you noticed they're not getting rid of the arts magnets programs, right? And dance and all this other nonsense. No, great. Hey, there's some kids that are great dancers. Go to the dance school. You know, are you going to make a lot of money doing that? No, but unless you're the one percent. Yeah. Mean, it, when it, com- when it comes to arts, you got, it's like an athlete. Yeah. The one percent of the one percent are going to make a lot of money. Everyone yeah. else is not. Right. So they're not getting rid of those programs, and they're not getting rid of athletics. Nope. Um, but but we're going to get rid want- of the math club. Right. Basically. But the thing is, like, those kids, you want them to go to their full potential. If they don't offer that program, now, hey, your kid might be really good in math and really bad at English. So they're in the regular English class, but they're in the accelerated math class. The thing is, though, if there isn't that accelerated group, the teacher can only teach so many lessons at one time. Right. So, yeah, there are some teachers like, oh, they got rid of gifted and talented. I'm going to give this kid some extra harder work. But at what point can you no longer do that? And you have to focus on the lowest common denominator. Yeah, you can't you can't teach on two tracks. Yeah. It's too tough. Yeah. Um, Not with 35 kids no, in a class. It's, no, it's impossible. Um, sometimes at that, you're just, at that point, you're just, you know, you're just classroom management. You're just keeping everything sane. Yeah. I mean... You're not going to ask a teacher to run two tracks in her classroom while she's also getting her uh, her midsection busted up by, you know, the parent who thinks she, she doesn't give her kid enough attention. Mm-hmm. And Johnny, Johnny doesn't have 
lunch every day because his mother's a deadbeat. Right. And, and, or whatever the situation. And, and look, I get it, especially in like some of these, you know, these under, underserved schools. I don't, I mean, I don't blame the kids. I mean, don't wrong. Sometimes the kids got to take responsibility for themselves at some point once they get to a certain age. But a lot of it falls on the parents. Mm-hmm. You're just not raising your kids right. Yeah. And nobody wants to hear that. Right. Because nobody, well, nobody wants to be told how to raise their kids. Right. In in France, they have, it's education and instruction. Mm-hmm. The school's job is instruction. It's the family. Now, edu- instruction is part of education, but education is the responsibility of the family. So, but the thing is, a lot of these parents don't advocate for their kids. They don't care. Um, they're also... Uh, if education is not a priority to them, then, like, you know, of course they're not going to... And then there are other considerations that come in, too. Like, if you're worried about how you're going to keep the lights on, do you care about Johnny's homework? Nope. You know, if I'm worried about, um, you know, the the deadbeat ex-husband that beats me every day, am I worried about homework? No, at that point, it's survival. It's one of the reasons why they provide lunch at schools. Right. Because kids who are hungry aren't going to learn. If you're worried about your stomach growling, you're not paying attention to the ABCs. So give them breakfast and lunch, at least while they're there. And some of these kids, those are the two meals they get is at school. That's that's one of the things out of this pandemic that I think was vital. And it was that even, even out here in the suburbs now, there was a federal grant that allowed schools to feed kids breakfast and lunch every day. Mm-hmm. It didn't... It, it didn't matter. You didn't have to apply for it. You didn't have to. You didn't. The kid didn't have to do anything. The parent didn't have to do anything. The food was there and available. Any kid that wanted it could go get it. Yep. And to me, that was probably the best thing that came out of it. For me, that's government done right. Yeah. Now I get it. There's going to be some people that are like, oh, it's not up to school to feed these kids. And yeah. like, look, I get in an ideal world, you're right. It's mm-hmm. not. But not everything is ideal. Yeah. Everyone knows someone that's gone through some crap times. Yeah. Now, is that every day of their life? No. But at least, especially when it comes to kids, at least have the option to feed them in the morning for breakfast and and, and, and in the afternoon for lunch. It's, I guess I got a soft spot when it comes to kids in general. No, and I do too. And I think that... That's where where I get turned off by some of that hard right or tea party type stuff. Yeah. To me, the government's job is to look out for the the welfare of its citizens, especially the weakest, those who can't fend for themselves. And when you have a child, this is a kid, not responsible for their situation, um, who... Well, then the parents are responsible. Maybe the parents aren't respo- responsible for their situation. Right. They probably contributed to it, but there's there are things that are that occur that people just don't have control over. In the end, though, there's a kid there, and I, I've used the same argument with when it comes to healthcare. Like if if I look at how much money is totally spent on the healthcare f- coverage for my family, and whether that goes to a government program that's run correctly or to a private insurance company that's run correctly. Um, okay, whatever. Now, if I have to pay a hundred dollars more a month 
so that some kid can get health care, I'm going to do it because I'm, I'm, you know, compassionate for, for them or even adult or another family, whatever it may be. Yeah, but you know the argument. People are going to say, oh, I don't want to even pay that extra 100 Yeah, okay. So, But the thing is, most people out here that want, like to run their mouths like that are are one bad call away from being in that position. True. And um, it's also funny how people like that also like to – now, I'm Catholic, so – Part of the Catholic Church is, is charity and looking out for 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 others, but I think that when you get into the people who are saying that and then pounding on the Bible at the same time, well, you're missing some connection there. Yeah. Um, and I also look at it like if you get back into you know kind of turn back into immigration with the dreamers and these the kids that get brought over here, say oh well they're not citizens, kick them out. These are kids, right? And if and I, you know, I got into a, a discussion with with a coworker about this, and they're like, "No, just kick them all out." I said, "Okay, imagine this: your parents brought you over here from France, and when you were two, you don't speak any French. You were raised in the United States for all for everything you know. You're an American, and then all of a sudden, hey, it turns out that you're not a you're not here legally." We're sending you back to France. Right. Now you have to go live in a foreign country where you don't speak the language, you don't know the customs, you don't know anyone, and you had no choice in this matter. Your parents made the decision, but you didn't. Right. So um, to me, it's just it's compassion. It's being a human being. It, it, it's, you know. Well, and, and what better way to... What better way to turn someone loyal to a country than by accepting them? Mm-hmm. it's why a lot of immigrants decide to serve in our military yeah and it, it it's a decent number yeah um i mean the if if you're talking about social programs at what point is it what's the tipping point that turns into socialism like providing kids meals right at school breakfast lunch mm-hmm. that's the socialism concept right yeah now you could say, well, it's kids, right? Anything before eighteen, we need to do what we need to do. Once you're eighteen, adult, screw you, yeah. you're out, you're done. <laughs> that you're off the tee, mm-hmm. basically. You know, it's. I it, look. I'm the furthest person that would. I would never. I'm not for socialism, right? But, like you said, it's some. You've got to care for your weakest. And I mean, it's almost why teachers in schools, they're required to call social services if they see any evidence of abuse in a yeah. child. And that's, it could be mental, verbal, or physical, yeah. right? Because we're looking out for the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? But then people start talking about, well, you know, senior citizens are vulnerable, mentally ill or vulnerable. I mean, I, that's a topic that can go like who who gets the benefit who gets the benefit of the doubt right who gets to be taken care of and who does not yeah and that's a whole nother topic at that point but when it comes like you said that when it comes to immigration you got this kid right but even even with an adult like who are we a country based on immigrants to turn immigrants away yeah now i'm not saying we got to accept everybody Right, like if you're but, if you're walking but our across, system sucks. Yeah, if if you're walking across the border with and it, everything, 
it seems because there's such divisiveness and such partisanship and everything's so fractured, everything just turns into this zero sum game. Right. And again, we talk about nuance all the time. There's nuance to everything. Two things can be true at once. And you can show compassion for that immigrant family that wants a better life. At the same time, kick the dude out that comes across with the MS-13 tats. Right. You can do both things. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, But the left has said, no, everyone comes in. The right has said, no, no one comes in. And it's not working at all. No. It's making the cartels really rich. um, And it's people that are here that do get in aren't able to enjoy the full uh, experience, I guess, of citizenship because they can't do certain things. Right. Um, And then they're able to send wads of cash back home. So it's it's really a a messed up thing by taking these hard line approaches to everything. Yeah, it it doesn't do anybody good. It just doesn't. And of course, if if someone from the Republicans comes up with an immigration reform policy, the Democrats automatically say it's crap. Mm-hmm. If the Democrats come up with with uh, immigration reform policy, the Republicans automatically say it's bad. I was like, okay, look, if no one's willing to compromise here or at, let someone else take some credit, yeah, nothing's ever going to get done. I mean, what? I was actually surprised that, that that infrastructure bill finally passed. Yeah. You know, I think it had 70 votes, 69, 70 votes in the Senate for mm-hmm. And I think in the House, they lost some progressives. They finally said, screw it, we're going to go without you. Yeah. But they picked up that many and more votes from the centrist Republicans. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first time that the rest of America looked at Congress and said, Hey, that's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Not everyone's going to get what they want. And you might even make a deal that doesn't make anyone happy, but you did something for the people. Yeah, you, Finally, yeah, you got something done. Right. And, and, and like Nancy Pelosi might not be extraordinarily happy about it, mm. but you did something. Yeah, you you're trying to fix a problem. You're not just saying it's all of what we want and nothing of what you want, and that's the way it's got to be. And no, like look, you had to give up something, mm-hmm. and well, and the minority got a little bit of what they wanted. Yeah, and and that's how it's designed to function. Yes, and it's like they approach these things like. If I if we approach everyday transactions like Congress does, so say I'm going to buy a car and it I want to pay nothing for the car. The the best win for me would be I walked in there and they gave it to me. And the best win for this salesman is okay, well, this is a fifty thousand dollar truck, um, but I want a hundred thousand dollars for it. And we approached at that point and we're not going to move, the car's not getting sold. Right. Nobody wins. But I can't come in there expecting to, them to give it to me, and he can't <laughs> expect me to pay twice as much for it. Well, actually, maybe now he could. But, right, right now he can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but under normal conditions, we're going to have to come to an agreement somewhere and figure out something that works works well for, for both of us, which, you know, okay, so I'm going to pay... 45 and uh but i ended up buying the 
extended warranty and the rust proofing. So right. he gets a little a little something and everyone wins, but Congress can't do that. They are or you know, everything's so so partisan and divided, it's nope, uh I want to pay nothing and if I don't pay nothing, I'm leaving. Well, even in your car example, think about it this way. What if the dealer just wants 50? Mm-hmm. You want to pay 0, mm-hmm. right? And you finally settle on 45. Yeah. That's by optics, it looks like a really bad deal for you, right? Because you came up forty five thousand, and he only came down five, right? But if he has all the power, because mm-hmm. he's he's the majority, yeah. And you were able to wrangle five thousand dollars off that price, yeah. Then you still technically got a decent deal as the minority, right? Because you weren't in a position to bargain, yeah. But they bargained anyway, mm-hmm. and they got their and he, the salesman got their sale, yeah. So sometimes you. Sometimes you got to come up forty five thousand, and the other people only got to come down five, and that's the deal that gets made. Right. And sometimes that's okay. Yeah, it depends on who's in the position of power. Right. And now, granted, same situation, but I've got a whole bunch of people screaming in my ear that if I go up at all, that they're gonna they're not gonna vote for me again. Right. Yeah. A bunch of droogs who don't know any better. Mm-hmm. So so then, okay, if I don't walk out of here with this truck for nothing, so just nothing gets nothing gets done. Yeah. And I, like that's the situation, I think, where we're at with immigration now, though. Like, finally, infrastructure got done. They've been talking about infrastructure for 20 years. Oh, yeah. But immigration, they've also been talking about for 20 years. And they're not, they're not talking any kind of compromise right now. The, the the latest one we got was back when I think Obama was president. Mm-hmm. I think Marco Rubio was putting out a plan or something like that, but because Marco Rubio put out the plan, Democrats hated it. Right. You know, and... It was kind of like Tim yeah. Scott's police reform act right. that he wanted to do. Right. That would have made things better than what they are now, mm-hmm. but because Tim Scott did it, it's bad. Yeah. So... It, they wouldn't take the like. It, it's kind of like what we talked about uh, in the with the elections that just happened. Because the Democrats wouldn't take the win on the infrastructure bill before the elections, mm-hmm. they lost Virginia. Yeah, I, I am. I am convinced that's what lost them Virginia. Now, beside the educational stuff, right? But because it was education, and oh, by the way, you can't govern. Mm-hmm. Like the guy only lost by a point and a half. I think you could have survived the educational thing if you would have passed the the infrastructure bill. Yeah. Uh, One little thing, one win Mm -hmm. would have mitigated these harsh losses, I think. Oh, yeah. But just like with the police reform bill, like because it's coming from a Republican, the Democrats want nothing to do with it. It's like take the win. Yeah. Show the people that you can govern. And it's one of those things where just because it came from him, you don't want to do it. He's worked with Democrats on it. Mm -hmm. If you take the win people, and this is what people, the, 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 the parties that are in power never realize this by taking wins. You're showing people that you can be in the majority without being an asshole. Right. You can, that's called governing. Yeah. Right. And, the first majority to figure that out will be the first majority to keep a majority through the midterms. Yeah. It just hasn't happened. Right. Cause they, they, it's almost like they get drunk on the power, but then you have a majority, you still can't get anything done. <laughs> like, and then you have, it's almost, you know, think of a football game. You're down by a point. 
the, there's no time on the clock. You're in field goal range. All you have to do is kick the field goal and win. Kick it. You got you got Justin Tucker. Mm-hmm. You're good to what? 56 yards. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 66, isn't it? Yeah, the GOAT. Yeah. You got him, <laughs> right? And you're on the 30. Like, you're sure. good. You're good. Kick the field goal. Nope, we want to win by a touchdown. Well, no, you kick the field goal, you win. You get the W. Yeah. Nope, touchdown. So then you throw some ridiculous pass and it's intercepted and you lose. When all you had to do, all you had to do was kick the field goal, get the W, go, go to the locker room. And that's what they're. That's how they govern. Yeah. Nope, we want the touchdown. So that's um, where we're at with immigration, though, because here's the problem with immigration. We talked about this before. We need the immigrants. Yeah. We need the workers. Like, this is not this is not in question anymore. Like, these numbers show it. Now, the funny thing is that the numbers that we're reading, they're easily found, but no one's really looking at it. Right. No one's looking at the at, at the employment. Everyone thinks that we're 10 percent unemployed. Uh, there's plenty of workers out there. That's, that's just not happening. Yeah. And it's either if you're on the right, it's they're just sitting home because they're lazy. Mm-hmm. If you're on the left, it's because of COVID. Yeah. It you know, but they're not there. <laughs> so they think that everyone lives on Twitter. Twitter, I mean, Twitter is not real life. No, it's a garbage pile. It's a garbage pile, but people are they're basing their decision making and and almost I believe almost every single congressperson and senator has Twitter. Mm-hmm. And and they have someone in their office that reads that garbage. Yeah. Oh my God! Everyone thinks this. I got this many likes, and th- it's garbage. Yeah. It, like, you got a thousand likes. Great. This is a country of three hundred thirty million people, right. and you got a thousand. And Twitter is overwhelmingly left. Yep. So, if you get a thousand, of course, if you're in your little echo chamber. Now, if you're a Republican on Twitter. You get a thousand likes. You're just getting it from the the hard the hardline Republican types that are on there. Mm-hmm. But most of the country is not in the blue check mafia. Does not live on Twitter. I have Twitter. I, I think it's stupid. I don't really get it. Um, it's just crap. Just people being mean to each other. Oh yeah, is what it is. I think what Joe Rogan said. It's just pe- a place where people can go and dunk on each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and. He he actually made a point. I forgot who he was. It was on his latest episode. He's basically saying, "Look, you would never, you would never say these things to someone in the presence of someone, right? Because there's compassion. You could see, like, if you were to if you were to write that same comment on Twitter, but if you were to say it to someone, you would see how it affected them. Yeah, and the human inside of you would cause you instant regret." Because you saw how it made that person feel, but because mm-hmm. you're doing it online, you don't see that. Yeah, you're just you're, you're sitting there high fiving your buddy. Yeah. Plus, there's no risk of getting punched in the mouth. Right. None. <laughs> yeah. But I think the I think the part about the compassionate, like as humans, we're compassionate, we're empathetic for the mm-hmm. most part. Don't get me wrong. There's a couple Scrooges out there. I, yeah. I you know, like there's some psychopaths. Look, there's guys building penis rockets, right? Yeah. And, and you know, and they're <laughs> uncompassionate as hell. But everyone else, the person you're walking by on a daily basis is generally a compassionate person. They don't want ill on anybody, but they go on Twitter and they just told you to go F your mother. Right. And, and, or, or they brought up something that you said from seven years ago and use that to dunk on you today. Mm -hmm. You know, it, but you've got these 
Congress people, especially the younger ones who have staff that just monitor Twitter all day and think that's the gospel of 300, what 330 million people think. And they're going to govern by this garbage. Like it's like the, I always equated like the person who says like, let's say, let's say me, I say I got, I got discriminated against and I didn't get a promotion because of my race. Does it make it true? Right. It, yeah. No, but if I put it on Twitter and it gets a thousand likes and some intern over the, the, the congresswoman's office sees it, oh, everyone thinks that this guy got didn't get a job because he was uh, he, he was uh, uh, profiled. Well, no, it, that's not really what happened. Right. Because because I say or feel something doesn't make it fact. Right. I get feelings above facts. Right. Yeah. That's what we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in the and I think that it it. It ties into immigration because they're trying to make the Republican base feel like these people are going to come over the border and take their factory job at the Hyundai factory. No, they're not doing that. Right. They're not going to work for Hyundai. Hyundai, if you go work in Tennessee at the Hyundai factory, you got to you got to show them a W two and Social Security number. Mm-hmm. The illegal immigrant can't get a job there. Right. He can go get a job working for the landscaper down the road that pays cash under the table. Right. And probably pays him. He doesn't pay as much as he is required to. Correct. And, um, but they're like, they, they go to these people like, oh, they're going to take your job at the Hyundai or the glass factory, or the Hyundai factory, or the coal plant or wherever. And that's not happening. It's not reality because dude says it. Yeah. And it, it, it creates more division in that. And it also stops these politicians because they think all this Twitter crap is real mm-hmm. and all the Facebook dunking is real. Yeah. Um, they stop governing because they think that this is real life and it's not. It's like, look, get your head out of your butt. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, I, I think in a couple of years, I'd say within at least five to 10, if we don't, if we don't find a solution to immigration, I think we're going to have a, a severe staffing issue shortage yeah. right now. The, it, we have it now. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think 4% is where we're at. I think it's, we're probably closer to three. Yeah. So you got to let them in. And, and I mean, the H one H one B ones are mostly, I think they're mostly used by, um, by tech companies. And they, yeah, cause there's an agricultural one, which I think is where our, the the crab the, uh, the people with the picking yeah. houses fall, and it's not just crabs. They they, they do it for um, for cattle ranching, mm-hmm. goat ranching. Like a lot of the a lot of those farmers out west, they use a lot of those dudes from Peru. Yeah, in Argentina, yeah, because they're really good at it. Yep, they grow up on horses. Yep, and they don't. It, it's kind of it's almost similar like an Amish situation down there because the family still runs the farm down there, mm-hmm. and if he's got like ten boys. There's no room for him to work that land. They can't divide the land anymore. So they come up here because they know how to do the work and they can get a job up here, make money and take it back down to the ranch back in Peru yeah. or wherever. Um, it's a nice symbiotic relationship, but yeah, if you listen to a Republican congressman or two, they just say, oh, that's the guy that's taking your job. Yeah. Like, no man, nobody was doing that job. Yeah, no one. They're they're taking your job, and I'm going to be the one that makes sure that they don't get it. So vote for me. Yep. Yeah. So, well, 
That's our little spiel on immigration, I guess. Hopefully everyone liked this show. Please like, subscribe, comment, share. Especially share. We asked you guys to share the last episode or last two episodes. It seems like it's working. Uh, so if everyone can share this episode with one additional person, we'd appreciate it. And we will see you next time.